Heavenly Father, thank you this morning for the opportunity we have to sit together uh, or to join online and to sit under your word and to have your spirit minister to our hearts. And we pray that indeed your spirit would do that work in us and would change us from the inside out progressively. Um, so for our benefit and for your glory, uh, so please we pray. Uh, be with us this morning to that end. Amen. Have you ever heard people say, I've got no time for Christianity because the church is full of hypocrites? Well, uh, sometimes this may be used as an excuse to sidestep God, but other times it may be rooted in real pain from the past, where people have, who have claimed to be Christians have not behaved as Christians. Now, let's think for a moment about the English word hypocrite and its meaning, because it is a literal letter-by-letter -letter copy of the same Greek word. In Greek, the word hypocrite means actor, and the life of an ancient Greek actor helps us understand the English meaning of the word hypocrite. You see, back in those days, uh, if you were an actor you would wear a literal mask. If you are playing a joyful role, you would have a, a joyful mask. And if you were playing a sad role, then you'd have a sad mask. Uh, some theatres still use these masks in their insignias today. But here's the point. The mask hid what you were really like. Uh, the skill that separates good actors from great actors is the ability to step into the role, uh, to become the person you are playing, even though it is not who you actually are. Uh, there is a disconnect between the heart and the part, if you like. So you see, uh, we can understand what the term hypocrite means. It is someone with whom there is a disconnect between what they present of themselves and what they actually are on the inside. Uh, it's the reality gap between the surface and the substance, between the outer and the inner. In that sense, I am a hypocrite. And I would suggest to you that so are you. To different degrees, uh, we all hide our true self from people. Uh, usually we're more honest and open with those who love us and whom we trust. But to others, we present a masked version of ourself. And often this mask wearing is grounded in a fear of rejection. If people knew me as I really am, they wouldn't want to know me. Well, in today's passage... Uh, Jesus goes head to head with a man for whom there was a huge reality, reality gap between the heart and the part. Uh, this man had lost sight of the truth that God's concern is not just in our outward actions, but also with our heart within. Uh, worryingly for him and for us, we will see today that God doesn't condone hypocrisy, but condemns it. 
we're going to see how hypocrisy distorts us as people and also distorts our perception of reality. Uh, We're going to ask, what hope is there for any of us? Because at the end of the day, to different degrees, we are all hypocrites. And therefore, we're also going to see how the gospel provides the answer. The gospel is our only hope. And the gospel remakes us to be wholesome people and to restore our perception of reality. So let me give you a brief heads up on our roadmap for this morning. Uh, Firstly, we're going to see the debilitating effects of hypocrisy. And secondly, the healing work of the gospel. So firstly then, the debilitating effects of hypocrisy. Uh, No sooner has Jesus finished his rather feisty seminar on obeying the Word of God when he is invited out for lunch uh, by a Pharisee, verse 37. When Jesus had finished speaking, a Pharisee invited him to eat with him, so he went in and reclined at the table. Now, with the benefit of New Testament hindsight, we tend to view Pharisees dimly. Uh, To accuse someone today of being a Pharisee or being Pharisaical is not a kind thing to say. However, that's not how the Pharisees were viewed by the public in the days of Jesus. They were not the bad guys, they were actually seen as the good guys. If you recall, uh, just before this, Jesus has been exhorting people to obey the Word of God. Uh, Here it is again. We saw this last week in verse 11, verse 28. Uh, Jesus replied, Blessed rather are those who hear the Word of God and obey it. Now, when the people heard those words first uttered by Jesus, do you know where their minds would have gone? They would have been thinking... Jesus is talking about the Pharisees. Surely they are the blessed ones who hear the Word of God and obey it. Uh, The Pharisees had a reputation of being zealous for the observation of God's Word. Uh, The Pharisees lamented the spiritual waywardness of the nation. Uh, They believed that the only hope for Israel was to return to a vigorous obedience of God's law. And they were so committed to obeying the Word of God that they had ring-fenced it with many regulations and traditions as a way, hopefully, of protecting it and getting people to observe it. However, sadly, uh, they had become so focused on their regulations and their traditions that they'd lost sight of the true condition of their hearts. And it is this gap that Jesus now addresses. Verse 38, but the Pharisee noticed that Jesus did not first wash before the meal, was surprised. Now, in this COVID-19 era, uh, we're all too aware of the importance of hand-washing, but this Pharisee is not concerned about hygiene. He's actually concerned about a pre-meal ritual hand-washing. There's great irony here, 
because in the Old Testament, uh, people were told that they should wash their hands uh, when they approached God in the temple to worship Him. Uh, It was a, a ceremonial washing with water. Now, the point of this ceremonial washing was symbolic. Uh, It acted like a visual aid. Uh, The washing reminded people that they needed to approach God with a clean heart. So, you see, the ceremonial washing of the external body was a way to remember that God wanted a clean heart when you come before Him. However, uh, the Pharisees of Jesus' day uh, had taken the ceremonial washing and applied them to every area of life, but at the same time, the true meaning and significance of the ceremony had been lost. Uh, Their religion had become primarily a matter of external rituals, and they completely lost sight of the heart. Uh, Now, there is little doubt that this pre-meal faux pas by Jesus is deliberate. Uh, By not engaging in the ritual hand-washing, he's engineering a crisis. Now, although the Pharisee host does not say anything, he cannot conceal the look of disdainful surprise in his face, and that's all that Jesus needs for his teaching opportunity. Verse 39, then the Lord said to him, now then, You Pharisees clean the outside of the cup and dish, but inside you are full of greed and wickedness. Ouch! Talk about in your face. Uh, Jesus was not one to mince his words. Uh, He just said it like it is. It's a person's heart that concerns God the most. And of course, this is not breaking news. Uh, This was the timeless truth echoed countlessly throughout the Old Testament, as God had said to the prophet Samuel a thousand years earlier in 1 Samuel 16, man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Outwardly, the Pharisees looked pretty impressive, but when their hearts were put under the spiritual MRI machine, The dark cancer shadows of greed and wickedness were there to be seen. And in this, we start to see one aspect of hypocrisy. Because hypocrisy has a skewed view of reality. Hypocrisy embraces a distorted view of what's really important. Everything is out of kilter. It's out of perspective. Uh, There is a concern for keeping the letter of the law in minor areas of of obedience, whilst at the same time neglecting the big issues that matter more to God. For all their religious fervor, Jesus places these Pharisees in the categories of a fool. Verse 40, you foolish people. Do not the one, did not the one who made the outside make the inside also? What is the point of cleaning the outside of a cup but leaving the inside filthy? That's a question I ask myself every morning as I unload our ailing dishwasher. 
Is not God, the God who made the body, also concerned with the heart? True wisdom directs us to address the problem of our hearts. Verse 41. But give what is inside the dish to the poor, and everything will be clean for you. Now, it is a bit confusing because in the Greek, the words to the poor are not there. So, Jesus' words literally read, but rather, give what is inside and you will find everything is clean for you. In other words, you can't be truly clean unless it starts with an inward cleansing of the heart. A mere outward form of morality is not going to make any difference. The matter of the heart needs to be addressed before anything else. Now then, if hypocrisy comes with no consequences, then really hypocrisy is not a problem. But Jesus leaves them and us in no doubt. God does not condone hypocrisy, rather He condemns it. Uh, to illustrate their skewed priorities, Jesus uses two examples of their giving and their reputation. And in each case, He pronounces a woe. And a woe is a declaration of God's just judgment. Verse 42. Woe to you, Pharisees, because you give God a tenth of your mint, rue, and all other kinds of garden herbs, but you neglect justice and the love of God. You should have practiced the latter without leaving the former undone. Now then, uh, tithing was something that the Pharisees were particularly good at. Uh, according to the Old Testament law, uh, God's people were to give a tenth of their gross income uh, for the running of the temple and the support of the poor. Now, the Pharisees took this to an extreme. Uh, rather than making just a rough estimate, they calculated their offerings down to the very last decimal place. They even carefully cut a tenth of their herbs. But amidst all this excessive accounting, the Pharisees had lost sight of the bigger picture. Uh, they completely overlooked one huge fundamental area of obedience. They didn't love God, and they didn't love others by doing justice. They didn't use their money and time to be generous and caring to those in need. Uh, when somebody came to them with a personal material need, they were stony-faced and cold. They weren't supporting the weak. They weren't protecting the poor. They weren't welcoming the strangers. They weren't helping widows. They weren't adopting orphans. Now, there is some debate among Christians today as to whether this Old Testament requirement of tithing carries over to us in New Testament times. It's interesting that Jesus doesn't tell the Pharisees to stop tithing. Rather, he says they should practice the latter without leaving the former undone. 
I don't have figures for Australia, but in America, surveys indicate that only 4% of Christians tithe. You see, what we do with our money is one test of the state of our heart. However, an even better test is how we treat people in need. Uh, Who is the weak person that I am protecting? Who is the person with material needs that I am being generous to? Who is the stranger that I am welcoming? You see, we don't just open our wallets, although we do that, but we also open our hearts. We practice the latter without leaving the former undone. Uh, Jesus goes on to highlight uh, another way in which their hypocrisy had skewed their perception of reality. They valued the people's praise more than God's praise. Verse 43, Uh, Woe to you, Pharisees, because you love the most important seats in the synagogue, and greetings in the marketplaces. Apparently in the synagogue, the seats at the front, the important seats, were actually there facing the congregation. And the Pharisees loved them. They loved to be seen by all, and they craved the prestige and the recognition. If we look more widely at the New Testament gospel documents, sadly, it is evident that the Pharisees loved people's praise far more than they loved God's praise. At John 5, verse 44, Jesus says this. Speaking to Pharisees, how can you believe if you accept praise from one another, yet make no effort to obtain the praise that comes from the only God? So having exposed the extent of their hypocrisy, Jesus finally goes on to reveal the effects of their hypocrisy. Verse 44. Woe to you, because you are like unmarked graves, which men walk over without knowing it. We need a bit of background here. Uh, For an Israelite, to touch an unmarked grave would render them ceremonially unclean for a week. Now, in our day, it would be the equivalent of having been in contact with someone who has COVID-19. And naturally, nobody wants to go into hotel quarantine for a week if they can avoid it. But that was the ancient equivalent, if you actually touched a grave. Uh, Because of these regulations, the Israelites were very careful to whitewash their graves so that people would notice them and avoid them. However, Jesus said, The Pharisees were like unmarked graves. Without realizing it, when people came into contact with them, they were becoming contaminated. They were becoming defiled. You see, the Pharisees were in the role of religious lay leaders. The people would look to them as a good example to follow. And because these Pharisees had a reputation for strict holiness, uh, people would follow their spiritual example. And yet the Pharisees were not an example to follow. If people did so, then they themselves would become contaminated with the same virus of hypocrisy. 
since the Pharisees had very poor spiritual sight, their whole person was in spiritual darkness. As Jesus had said previously in verse 34, which we saw last week, when your eyes are good, your whole body is also full of light. But when they are bad, your body is full of darkness. The Pharisees were blind to the ugly state of their hearts. They couldn't see their desperate need for Jesus or for the forgiveness that Jesus makes possible. So, what hope is there for us? For to different degrees, we are all hypocrites who face the woe of God's judgments. So, let's, in conclusion, look at the healing work of the gospel. Uh, Thankfully, the gospel is not concerned with superficial change. Rather, the gospel engages and transforms the very core of our being. God changes us from the inside out. Uh, We all start life with hearts that carry the virus of greed and wickedness. Uh, Nobody has to teach a child how to be selfish. Have you noticed that? And as our lives progress, the gap between the heart and the part grows. And what we project in our outward appearance is different to the inward reality. So when Jesus says, give what is inside and you will find everything is clean for you, He isn't just speaking to the Pharisees. He's talking to me and He's talking to each of us here today. But they, both they and we, need radical heart surgery. And it's only Jesus that can provide that. It's only the powerful gospel of Jesus Christ that can change us from the inside out. Uh, The theological term, of course, is regeneration. Uh, It is what Jesus meant when He says, you must be born again. When a person comes to faith in Christ, Christ forgives our sin and gives us a new heart. And it's a heart that is indwelt by the Holy Spirit. We have a heart transplant. And what makes our lives clean is not an outward washing with water, as the Pharisees thought, but the inward cleansing of the Holy Spirit. And when we have the Holy Spirit, that changes everything. As the good yeast of the gospel is worked into the dough of the various areas of our lives, we are progressively healed from our hypocrisy. Uh, Through the work of God's Spirit and God's Word, we increasingly see reality through God's eyes, and we see life in its proper perspective. Uh, We don't lose sight of the smaller things, but we give attention to the bigger things. We start, don't we, to understand how important it is to love God with all our hearts and to love others. And we also rest more secure in God's love for us. And that is the path to freedom. What will free us to be honest about ourselves and our sin? The only possible way for this to happen is if we know that we are loved deeply and we are loved unconditionally 
The only way that we can be honest about how we really are on the inside is if our hearts are shored up with the knowledge that God loves us infinitely. He loves us always. He loves us unconditionally. He died for us whilst we were still His enemies. And that means He would do anything for us because He has already done everything for us. So you see, it's not until I know God's love for me is unconditional that I can finally be freed to admit my sin. Otherwise, I will never be able to actually deal with the traumatic material of what I'm really like on the inside. It's only when I believe that I'm saved in spite of my sin that I'll finally be able to admit my sin. And there's more freedom in the gospel because the gospel also progressively frees us from people-pleasing. People-pleasing is not good for us. Uh, To be tied to the praise of others is destructive and it's exhausting. Uh, People-pleasing puts us under other people's control uh, and we live in fear. Uh, If people praise us, we are elated, and if they withdraw their approval, we are downcast. And yet the gospel changes everything. As we grow in our understanding of what it means to be unconditionally loved, our perception of reality is restored. Uh, We increasingly realize that God loves us deeply. And that that it's God's opinion and approval that is to be valued above all others. And we start to savor God's praise more than people's praise. And in so doing, we are increasingly released from the tyranny of being people-pleasers. And not only that, but we also know that God sees all the good things that we do when nobody else does. The -the behind-the-scenes acts of service, the small acts of kindness and care, our generous giving to God's work, our Heavenly Father sees, and our Heavenly Father takes note, and our Heavenly Father will commend us and reward us in His time. And that brings great freedom. It frees us from having to do our acts of righteousness so as to be seen by people. Yes, the church is full of hypocrites, and I am one of them. But by God's grace, I am being saved and transformed. Let's pray before we open up to comments and questions. Heavenly Father, uh, thank you for the challenging words of Jesus that... Uh, In our faces, uh, they tell us and reveal us as we truly are. Uh, All of us are hypocrites, and yet you have loved us deeply, and you have provided the path for us to be freed, to be transformed inwardly, and then to be progressively transformed in the way that we live, Uh, living out a life which increasingly reflects what is in our hearts, but knowing that that change comes from the inside primarily and, uh, and initially. So please, we pray, continue to change us, enable us to grow in the freedom that we are granted by you through the gospel. Amen. Okay, time for comments or questions, either those present here or 
online. 